Hi guys, I'm Becca Otis from Five Lines Pottery, and I'm located in Van. And I'm Ryan Durbin from RD Ceramics, located in Highland Heights, Kentucky. And welcome to Wheel Talk. Started. Okay, we're okay. live. We're live. In the flesh. In Becca's the f- right here next to me. <laughs> <laughs> I am. I'm wearing my pot swap t-shirt because we started pot swap yesterday, even though it's actually dirty and I didn't realize it this morning. You got some flour on it from the pasta. Yeah. How was your pasta? Really good. It was so much easier to do. Easier? Because you actually had yeah, the Yeah, with a machine it. instead of at your house with a rolling pin. Yeah. <laughs> it tasted great, though. It did taste great. It tasted about the same. So. Was it kind of the same sort of what we had? Or was it like really thick, wide noodles? We I feel like it. they were, like, medium thick. You know, they weren't, like... We were having spaghetti, so I was trying oh. to make them, like, a little Ooh. bit smaller. But um, let's introduce you. Okay, we have Melissa and Eric Beal of Beal Pottery. Um, how... How do y'all introduce yourself? Hey, guys. I'd like to introduce yourself. <laughs> Just like that. Just like yeah. that. Hi, I'm Eric Beal Pottery. <laughs> <laughs> Let's yeah, let's start with this. Uh, how long have you guys been doing pottery, and where are you located, and what are you currently like? What's your shtick right now? Well, let's see. Our business. We've had our business for about eight years now, and uh, we're in Westville, Indiana. And you know, it's kind of a split between classes and workshops, and then you know, production time. So. I've been doing pottery a lot longer, though. Oh, yeah. I started in high school. I never really stopped. I, I had my little treadle wheel when I was, like, 16 years old and slowed mm-hmm. up from there. Yeah. And, Melissa, when did you start doing pots? High school as well. My freshman. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Did you, you all meet at that time? Did you no, already no, know No, no. It was later. I was, teaching, I was teaching a class at a little, uh, a little studio in town, and Melissa came and signed up. And that was, like... 25 years ago yeah 20, 20, like 20, 22 22, 22 years, ago. years ago wait a second wait a second who was eric like wow it I was like just that. like ghosts it was just like ghosts <laughs> it was just like ghosts 100 yeah so she was yeah, the really skilled one and you were kind of like fucking the pots up or i was the dead one <laughs> he was the dead one, <laughs> <laughs> he was the dead one. <laughs> were you fraternizing with your students I was all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, <clears throat> um, it would. I took his night class. I walked into the studio sure. and saw him, Danielle, and I. You met Danielle. Yeah, yeah. So we took his class at night, and she was married already. But I had a crash right away. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's how it happened. What's that? Was he a good teacher? He was a great teacher. He yep. still is. Yep, he's a yeah, great teacher. I mean, teacher. she went pro after that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, look at her now. Look at her now. So, um, you guys have, you obviously, you're married. If you haven't caught on by now, they're married. Um, and can you kind of, like, talk about your dynamics of, like, who does what in the business that you guys have? Uh, yeah, it's, it's super easy. I throw pots and then Melissa does every single other thing. Yeah, that's pretty much how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh, okay. 
Yeah. You've been taking on a lot of the glazing responsibilities, though. Yeah, keeping the studio going and clay prepped and classes and stuff. Yep. So when you said the business is eight years old, did you mean you started selling eight years ago? So like you've always cranked out pots and you've always been selling them since then or? Yeah, it was a lot smaller scale, you know, it started off just like uh, Christmas present, Christmas time stuff. And then we're like, oh, maybe we'll try to do a show here, there. And it kind of just grew steadily until it took over our old house. And that's uh, that's how we ended up in the new place in Westville because there's just no room left. It was like basement and garage and. Christmas would come around and it'd be folding tables in the living room and you're on the three season, you know, the whole deal. Yeah. Yeah. So were you always both working in the business or was it primarily one of you and then both of you came on board and were like solely focused on it or like, how did you kind of, how did it work in that sense? There was a little while there where, um, after I stayed home with the kids when they were little and, um, when they got what's that how many kids do you all have and like what's three three kids here's mila (laughs) Mila, there's one (laughs) yeah 16 18 and 24. okay so when they were old enough to be in school and i found myself like needing something to do I started I've always sewn as well and I love alterations and I started working for a local bridal company and I was sewing formal wear bridal gowns and um, mother of the bride dresses you know the whole bridal party and at some point I branched out and started my own business doing that and it was growing and going well and I needed a bigger space and we kind of just sat down and tried to figure that out and Eric said I we really miss you at home (laughs) like he was supportive for anything that I wanted to do like to grow that business but said why let me throw this out there like why don't we try to sell pottery again together and see how that goes like really give it a good go and so that's that's when we started pottery and Eric's uh up until last year Eric worked at a mill. What kind of mill? It was a steel mill, and I built scaffolding there. Yeah. For scaffolding. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So, so very hands-on, very labor-intensive. Yeah, yeah. It's it's awesome when you're 25. You know, you start pushing 40, things get heavy. It's hard to, hard to climb, you know. <laughs> but I was out there. I did that for uh, 22 years. Yeah. Wow. Okay. And he quit that last year to do, so they could both do it full time all the time. Okay. Yeah. So then we're so then Melissa, were you like once you all decided to do this together, was it you know you were kind of driving what needed to be done, and then you would say, "Hey, Eric, like this is what we need to get made." That's exactly what it's like, right? Yeah. Like I would. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I would design collections and come up with drawings that I wanted to do to decorate certain things. And I would just give him a list of, okay, this week I need 20 mugs, two utensil holders, you know, just just like that. And he would come home from his day job and throw until he couldn't keep his eyes open anymore. It was intense for a, for a long time. Yeah, the, the last couple of years before we moved, when we were, I mean, we were moving quite a bit of pottery. And then I was still working, though, between 2,500 and 3,000 hours a year at my day job. So it was like, uh, 
it was real it got spread real thin for a while yeah okay and like it's funny because so for everybody that doesn't know i spent two and a half weeks at the beals uh this year and just like two weeks ago i left probably two weeks ago and um everybody up until that point was like Eric's like nobody I've ever met before. He's a fucking powerhouse and like he never stops working, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, okay, yeah, sure, sure, sure. And then I got there and was like, fuck. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was like, take a goddamn break. He doesn't. He doesn't. Well, and now the motivation is we have to make this work because now that he's been out of the mill for a bit, he's like, I'm never, I'm going, never back. going back. No, I'm never, <laughs> so, I'm never going back. He'll put in those mill hours here at the studio to prevent that from happening. Yeah. So I mean, obviously we all do. So I, I was doing the math, the 2,500, 3,000. That's like, that's like I a saw you doing week. the math. Yeah. yeah. Oh, On the not... low end, it's a 50 hour week for the 2,500. So it's like, 50, uh, we would yeah. regularly get scheduled 84 hours a week sometimes. And then I would, you know, we'd work additional hours, you know, 90, 92, 94 hours some weeks. I wouldn't make pottery those weeks, you know? Right. But, so how would, let's just say it's like, a, do you work that same amount of hours, like, doing the pottery? Are you still um, that it's much? It's insane, Ryan. If I was like, hey, Eric, you should just put a cot out in the studio and stay out there if you want to go to bed late and wake up early doing pottery, he'd be like, I'll consider that. <laughs> he would honestly maybe do it. Yeah, no, I mean, we're, there's, you know how it is, man. There's just always things to do. If you're, if you're not making stuff, you're testing stuff. And with the classes, it's like, we're constantly mopping. I'm a motherfucking mopping expert at this point. <laughs> so, but yeah, I mean, it's, I would say, I would say at least 65 hours is, is on the low end every week. Yeah. Well, and there's also this element of, you know, he was stuck at a job that he hated for so many years and now he gets to wake up and you know we get to be together yeah, and I, as I a family and, and be at home doing this yeah and then he gets to go to his dream job you know so what's mm-hmm. not to like yeah i love the commute yeah yeah it's across the pavement yeah <laughs> not sure commute when was here i told her a story i was looking at the life 360 and i said that that my phone had been at our house for 360 hours. <laughs> <laughs> he was really proud of that. I was. I don't have to go anywhere. <laughs> wow. And then what's also cool is that Oliver, their middle son, who's 18 right now, he is, he's got like a work release program, right? At school. Yeah, just a, like that. I think that's a prison thing. <laughs> is it called it? a work release? <laughs> work release. <laughs> what do they call it for the like school? Like you're a criminal. Yeah, you school yeah. prison? Internship. Yeah. <laughs> it's like oh, a work study. study. Yeah, work study. Oh, work study. Not work study. release. <laughs> work release is like you're out. You're out. For all the listeners, our son is not behavior. a hardened criminal at 18 years old. No. <laughs> no, he is. He gets to leave school um, around 10:30 every morning, so he's home by 11. Takes a lunch break, and he works 12 to 5 um, on our payroll every day. So. And he gets grades for that. If somebody had to set that up, how did they go? How did you all go about doing that? Um, you're the they're usually the local high school will have a program in place already. Like our high school, there's tons of kids that that it do this program. It was just a boilerplate form. We just filled it out, and they're like, "No problem. Here yeah. you go." Yeah. 
So it's just like upper level classmen can take. Well, he's got his credits to graduate. You know, he's yeah. he just needed to get his his government econ during the day. Yeah, but there are other local businesses who take advantage of that program, too, and hire high school interns, um, you know, kids that want to be entrepreneurs themselves. It's it's a helpful program for the community, for sure. Yeah. It's nice it's actually paid, too, because I would suspect that Not, at that age, it's probably unpaid for a while. Some are. Yeah. Our, our older son did the same thing. He was working as a, uh, a machinist, and... You know, he just had a part-time job, and, and he would go there every day and then send in a copy of his, his time card, and that was his attendance for the class. There are some interns, though, so they kind of have a little bit of separation in the program where they call part of it an internship, or some kids have the work-study. I think the work-study kids are paid, and the internship kids, maybe not all of them are paid. Mm. It's more like a, um, an experience. <laughs> You're in experience, right? <laughs> yes, it's about the experience. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys are gonna have to edit. <laughs> I assume I assumed when you all were when y'all told me about your son working for you, I was like, oh, well, that's pretty sweet. He just comes in and you know free labor, and you're like, no, he gets paid. I'm like, oh, that's great too. I didn't know that. Oh man, he's worth every penny though. He's such a great help. Oh God, he's like amazing. So what kind of stuff is he do? How he's what seventeen? Eighteen. Eighteen. Okay. So what kind of stuff is he doing in the studio? Oh, you know, I'll, I'll like set out uh, mix tickets, and he'll mix glazes for us. He makes all the spoon rests and all of the uh, little ramekins. He does probably two thirds of all of our spraying in on the glazes, and then he foots almost all the stuff we make too. Trims them. Foots them. Okay. Trims them. Yeah. 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 Wow. And he's he helps us clean the yeah, studio yeah. whenever we need it. Pretty much whatever we tell him we need on the punch list that day, he's up for it. So yeah. super helpful. I'm not sure what we're gonna do when he leaves. No, it's yeah, it's pretty nice right now. Like I, I think I was telling you earlier, he made 40 spoon rests this week. Yeah, I will send you pictures of. Do you have other or have you had other staff that you paid and worked for you, or has it just been the two of you pretty much, and then? Your son is kind of a new addition for the short term. Um, he when before we moved to this location, we started um, gaining an, enough of a following that we were pretty busy and we wanted to keep up with that and be able to offer a lot more product. So I, I started um, with some help by asking a friend of mine to just step in a couple times a week and she's still with us and we have hired another gal to help us part-time as well so they both work about two days a week and they'll come in and help with whatever mostly painting with me and um like this week barb's here helping make prep christmas trees is that like two full days like 16 hours a week for uh, two five hour shifts <laughs> two five hour okay Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so like if you look at their stuff on Instagram, Beal Pottery, if you look at it, then you'll see that there's two different, like very different styles, I would say. So Melissa's style is the painted ones, and then uh, the sprayed ones are more like the rainbowy colors or like the gradients. More about and the so that's yeah. more that's a newer style for for Beal Pottery just generally, and then. The painted ones Melissa's been doing forever and ever. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. yeah, just once once I had the time to make more more pottery, it takes so long to paint all that stuff that, uh, you know, we had to start finishing it other ways. Yeah. Well, yeah. and it's it, once we had the time and the space, we wanted to experiment with newer clay bodies that we hadn't really been yeah. using in our production line. So hence came. I know I still want to do some other and, stuff, too. Mm-hmm. Speckled bee mix we tried out for a bit. Yeah. Tell you just had like the probably one of the most famous pottery workshop persons. Tell us about that. John Britt. John Jonathan Brittle. How many how many test tiles did y'all have to prep for that? Oh my uh, God. I I've made two thousand before he got here, and we used twelve hundred of them. Wow. It was a great weekend. It was incredible, really. Yeah, it was awesome that he, he puts on a great a great class and and he's the guy's hilarious, man. He John's wonderful and then we had 30 different potters in one space for 3 full days and that was really awesome. Everyone brought a great energy with them and just appreciated being with all of with each other. And then John was funny on top of all of it. It just was great camaraderie and networking. It was a really wonderful weekend. Does that kind of workshop like cater to a variety of different skill sets in the chemistry side? Cause I can suspect it could be pretty deep chemistry, but also there can be just like, I want this kind of color. Like how do I get that kind of color? And you kind of understand that. Yeah. His, his lecture, his lecture spanned kind of both ends of it. You know, I would say there were some people there that maybe some of the, uh, the UMF stuff kind of, kind of went past them. And, uh, you know, there's a few topics that that were pretty in depth. Like we touched on, uh, eutectics and, and things like that, which I still don't fully understand. But most of the stuff was it was pretty straightforward. You know, everybody got a glaze, and we tested that against a, a ten-step uh, color pattern. You know, of various chemicals. So everybody had you know the same line of a two percent cobalt and or, or copper carbonate or whatever, and and you could see them across all the bases, the thirty bases that that were spread out. Oh, so so the prep work is not just the test. You all had to mix all the just bases and then you did it by volume or something in liquid form or you did it by dry form and it got mixed up or something? Uh, by volume, liquid form, and then you would separate that into 10 even size containers, equal size containers. And yeah. then you would put, you know, your colorants in, in each of those and everybody used the same colorants. And then across the whole range, I mean, there was four different clays, uh, 30 different bases and 10, 10 different lines on the color blend. So 1,200 tiles got done. You got to see what they all looked like all in a straight line. You know, everything was set up. Whoa. It was exciting. Yeah, there were some good results and some not so great results. <clears throat> oh, yeah, and some glazes that I would never even try to use, like the brain crawl stuff. I never even thought about that, but it was neat to see it like in action and see how, how little adjustments changed it along the lines. And there were potters that were brand new to glaze mixing, some that, you know, had never even opened the book yet. And there were others who had been mixing glazes for a while and and understood what was happening and appreciated the new information and the way that John laid it out. So I would say potters from, it was a wide range for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you guys had like a little raccoon party. 
We I did, saw. yeah. It was fun after after one of the classes. Yep, that was fun. Was that your with like test testing raku glazes, or you were just just having people experiment and understand what raku is all about? Yeah, we were just playing around. You know, we had we had, we had fired 126 raku pots the weekend before, and we had a uh, 20 or 30 left over, and we just just you know didn't want the party to end. Ryan just kept it going. <laughs> kept it going. <laughs> 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 oh my god me and eric made all these fucking raku vases and it was the hardest clay i've ever thrown with <laughs> i know it was terrible awful. okay i was waiting for eric to be like that's the clay i throw with daily <laughs> no it was awful <laughs> no it was like mortar it felt like like you were setting bricks you know oh wow it was so bad. I did only. I only did like fifty of them. He did like seventy-five. Did, did the clay? 80. Had you used other clay before in the raku, and it just wasn't producing results? So you were trying a different clay, or it was just you know what? It was we we had bought five hundred pounds of two different kinds of clay, uh, maybe six or eight months earlier, two raku clays, and one of them was just really, really toothy, really hard, and, and so. I didn't use it. So when it came time to, to make all these pots, that's all we had. So left. these were the toothy ones? Yeah. This was the toothy clay. Okay. He saved, yeah, he saved yeah. the toothy clay for Becca. Like, we'll just we'll just use this. We have it on hand. I forgot about that. No, I like walk into the to the their house and they're I'm like, great, this is gonna be great. I'm gonna have like, you know, just do some stuff and yeah. work for Michigan Pottery Tour. And then he goes, So we need to make 120 vases. <laughs> and then he's like, and I was like, well, how big? He's like, I'm thinking four pounds. And I was like, how about two? How about two pounds? And he was like, two was too little. Three? Two was too little. He's like, how it's about three pounds? Make a big enough flame and a big enough show for the Yeah, the so we made 153-pound vases out of the worst clay I've ever used. It was an and experience. The people appreciated them so much. Yeah, they wow. loved them. Yeah. You got nice exfoliated hands from it, I bet. Yeah. Nice and soft. Thanks, Becca. Yeah, thanks. No problem. Anytime. <laughs> Did you get paid or was that free labor? That was free labor. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was what, yeah. That was what we refer to as slave labor. <laughs> so they, it was funny because like well they they bought me food and stuff and they fed me okay so but it's funny because like normally if somebody would buy me lunch i'd be like can i pay for this like here let me pay for this and i was like no fuck you guys i'm making all these bases you can pay for my lunch <laughs> yeah we just kept it fed and just kept throwing clay in front of you and eventually we, we were done <laughs> He put a Eric work ethic into you to. We we fought about it the whole time. <laughs> you were bitching about it. I was quite a bit. We took it easy that week. It wasn't that busy. No, it wasn't bad. <laughs> okay, so what so what were all these vases for? What was the big hullabaloo about these vases, and what was the build up for? What was the event? Handle it, Liz. Um, we threw a celebration, a hell of a party. Um, it, uh, when Becca was here, that date marked our one year anniversary, one year anniversary of opening the doors here to this new studio. So we just wanted to bring the community together and celebrate. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I called and, it a grand opening party. Yeah, and we had planned this. Like, I'd planned on being there for the party. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just happened to be that the Michiana Pottery Tour was the same time. Yeah. And then Melissa was like, we'll do the Michiana Pottery Tour if Becca can do the Michiana Pottery Tour. So, oh, so you like guilted Jesse into like getting both of you all? Apparently, I was on his short list, quote unquote. <laughs> Not his shit list, but his short list. Okay, that's haven't good. heard that story at all. His short list, and he was gonna ask me, but he didn't know where I was gonna be. <laughs> so it all worked out, though. Yeah, it all worked it was, out. It was fun. The pottery tour was a fun time. Yeah, yeah. nice. Had yeah, you the all was before, awesome. or attended it before? Nope, that was no. our first time. Newbies. Okay. Yeah. And we've threatened Jesse. He's not allowed to have anybody other than us. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. yeah, what did we say? We liked it so much that we're coming back next year, even if we're not invited. Yeah. And if we're not invited, then we're going to sit up across the street and call it what, Becca? The Not Pottery Tour. We're going to have an Amish duel there on the main street. <laughs> yes. We told, we warned him. I was like, I'll pull an Enseca on you. <laughs> Gonna imposter the. I'll be impostering the pottery the tour. Pottery tour. <laughs> yeah, but the the party was awesome though. About 500 people showed up, and uh, you know, we, we people would come in, and they had the option of, of buying a raku base and, and glazing up themselves and watching the whole process. So uh, 126 people did that, and that's uh, that's where we shut it off. We had three kilns going, and we fired for nine hours. It was Who freaking would, insane. Did you have help? Was it all you that was doing it, or do you? Have oh a- no, man! We had tons and tons of people helping out. We had okay. volunteers, studio members, family, friends, all lined up to help. There was three kilns and three separate people running those kilns. So, mm-hmm. um, they have a friend up the street that ran one of them, and her husband is a freaking monster. Oh, yeah, Heather and Chris Connors. And Chris, yeah. They're, Chris was, like, a freaky monster. He was the one that was, like, putting all the stuff in the trash cans and, like, all the fire coming everywhere. And, like, <laughs> nice. And it was, like, 80 degrees, so it was not cool. And, yeah, he like, burned off one of his eyebrows. I don't know if you, if you knew that. I didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, totally. It was all the way singed, all the way. Oh, <laughs> you have to check on the status of that next time you see him. You're like, okay, let's see, it's coming back. It's coming back a little bit. Yeah, and so like they were, and then Aaron was another one, and like they worked the entire day without like any full breaks. It was insane. Yeah, yeah, we had Ryan Green and Harold was out there, Jim Hamlet. Yeah. Yeah. How yes. many? Do you know how many people showed up? We're estimating upwards of 500 people were here that day. Wow. There was three bands and a yeah. full stage. Had you all, like, done events like this before? Uh, like, what got, what's with the scale of it? Like, how did you get to this point where you <laughs> had such a large happening? Like, I saw you all, like, had to set a stage up the week of and, like, the stage is going here and the fire pit area Dude, with the fire raccoon area. Melissa fucking Beal. That's <laughs> what. That, that's, that, that, that. that's the truth. I like big parties, and um, I I had done something like that on a smaller scale with a friend. We called it an artisan fair for a few years, a handful of years. I don't know if it was on a smaller scale, though, because you still had live music all day, and you had like 20 vendors. Yeah, maybe not smaller, but similar. And I think it started in preschool when I threw the soiree for the preschool. You were that good that little? For the- <laughs> 
Wait, you threw a soiree when you were in preschool? <laughs> for the preschool that our kids went to. Thanks for that, Eric. Um, <clears throat> no, I was on the board of their preschool, the field station, and uh, it was our job my the year that I was leaving to throw the have an annual soiree, and I threw it at a yeah, friend's fundraiser. house. Yeah, and right. had bands and beer and a silent auction, and it was fun. So we kept doing it with the artisan fair a handful of years later and then did it again did it again yep it was like okay i did not know what i was expecting going in like i didn't really know what to expect but i was like okay a party like a party whatever no it's not just a fucking party like melissa is like the master party thrower i've never in my life seen anybody and her standards are like through the roof so like so like off the line did you have to like get bartenders or something oh yeah she had bartenders she had stage we had security there was security we had a fucking cop we had parking attendants we had fucking hay bales with flowers on them (laughs) like chairs (laughs) tables tablecloths like if and i was like if i was throwing this party people would be sitting in the grass like (laughs) you don't bring your own shit byob yeah it was so put together like completely put together that like drink tickets fucking wristbands i saw the drink yeah drink tickets and everything wow it was so wild so was it was it a money maker or was it just like you're like we're doing this like this is just gonna happen it's gonna be a big celebration we're not doing it for like we're gonna make a ton of money on it or This year, the focus was not making a ton of money. The focus was, like, actually celebrating with the community. We have a huge local following, and um, we, everyone has been curious, and we just wanted to bring people here and celebrate this place, and that was our main objective. It was nice to make a little extra money, (laughs) Um, but that wasn't the focus for sure. Yeah. Nice. They even let me and like two other, three other artists like set up and sell, sell some stuff. stuff. Yeah. Nice. I made like 700 bucks. I made more at the Beale party than I did <laughs> at the fucking Michiana Pottery Tour. That's wild. <laughs> you weren't competing with that many people though. Mm, I guess. I don't mm-hmm. know. I just. It. Yeah. I yeah. Know. Nice. We're going to do it again next year though. It's going to be so awesome. Have you all had. Uh, I would suspect it's a good thing to just have people see what's available there and like try things out or just see what it's about. And they're like, okay, let's sign up for this class or maybe they'll sign up for a date night or something like that. Like it's a good kind of funnels people in to just try it. Yeah, because they, I mean, we advertise online, but it's different to be here in person, you know? So to see, to walk through the space and see it and get the feel for it is is a lot different than seeing an ad on Facebook, you know? So that was, right. I, I think we'll see some people from that. Oh, yeah, I think, so yeah. I think so, too. I think so, too. I mean, it definitely, like, leaves a lasting impression. And it also, like... I was in the I was in the like painting part where people were painting the raccoon pots, and it definitely was like wow I didn't even know this was here like I want to take a class or I know somebody who would want to take a class and like you know crazy stuff like that even how big is your town is it are there a lot of things going on I'll look to like compete 
We have <clears throat> our address now is Westville, but we're in the Duneland area. Like Chesterton is is the main town that we're near, but the other surrounding towns are pretty big too. Valparaiso, Michigan City, Laporte. Um, we get people even as far as Maryville, Crown Point. So we we get some some people from neighboring towns. Um, the biggest draw to this area is the Indiana Dunes National Park. We're nine miles from there. So we get a lot of tourist traffic in, in the summertime and through the fall, really, too. Yeah. They have in Westville proper, there's 5,307 people. Yeah. yeah. But what's Chesterton, like 30,000 people? Let's look, Chesterton. Also, you know what's really freaking crazy, Ryan? There's a town called Otis. Oh, really? Otis, Three Indiana. miles away from their house. So how did y'all go about advertising for it? You mentioned a Facebook ad. 14,375. Oh, it seems like so many more. Yeah. <laughs> Look at, check Valparaiso. See how many people are there. It's Val, right? Valparaiso? Yeah. Um, uh, oh, our analytics say that a lot of our customers come from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was your Analytics question? on where? Um, on, on our Square? website and on, yeah. and on Facebook. Yeah. Like Google Analytics or something, or yeah. Squarespace breaks down IP addresses or something like that. Um, yeah, and Facebook tells you where your viewers are coming from. You know, like how who's. Yeah, Squarespace will show you right the county, I believe, yeah. right that everybody's. Mm-hmm. Nice. Thirty-four thousand. So between all of those, that's like almost sixty thousand. So. Yeah. So we do um, advertise with Facebook. So I made the event and then we did pay to have it advertised so that it reached, you know, mm-hmm. I think we did. I think I did a 50 mile radius for that one. So that definitely helped. Did you do it like a couple weeks out or like a month out or because I'm about I, to advertise for my holiday show that I have at my house. Mm-hmm. I did it, I think, a, a whole month. Yeah, a whole month out month yeah yeah i mean it also helped that like mila's still in high school and she told literally everyone at high school Mm -hmm. (laughs) she's that she's on the debate team at the high school and had it added to their daily announcements (laughs) (laughs) they had it written on the board like i think every class that she has at the high school had our our open house written yeah one of the bands that we had had has a pretty good local following too so People, I'm sure, came out just to see the band. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's good. Well, and, you know, Eric and I both grew, I mean, I grew up in this area area in particular. It's like Chesterton, Valparaiso, and Eric's from Maryville. So all of our family and our friends are here, too. And that has a pretty far reach, you know? Yeah, almost felt like a family reunion. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, we had a, a parking lot laid out for a hundred cars, and at one point it was full, but there was traffic like in and out all day okay. long. Yeah, yeah, handling parking that size, like y'all, have, I'm guessing it's all in your land. Do you have? Yeah, like I really hope it does not rain. Or like, yeah, man. Oh my God, we were like, if it rain would have ruined everything. Everything. <laughs> it really would have ruined everything too, because the land that they have is like really soft. So. Like, I was parked up on the behind the berm. Because it's really scenic or what? <laughs> no, it's just soft. I don't know how to oh, do it. Oh, it's a lake. It's got a high water table. Yeah. You know, just 
Uh, okay. And my van almost. Well, if it had rained, so it wasn't it wasn't bad actually leading up to your arrival, but before you came, it rained like yeah for almost a straight week. It rained, yeah. so well, it was it was pretty wet. Like the grass was nice and long. That's probably good for the cars going through there. Yeah. Yeah, we only we only mow it twice a year. Yeah. So, like uh, big uh, field. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Sweet. Okay. So are you going to do it semi-regularly? Are you going to do it every couple years or something? Or is it? I think we'll do it every year. I mean, every I, year? I feel like it was, it was kind of, uh, it, was, it was really successful, I think. You know, just the amount of people that were there. And we maybe could have fit a few more people, but not, you know, not double the amount. Like, yeah. Yeah. Maybe add another raccoon kiln. Yeah, another raccoon kiln next year. Maybe get done a little earlier. Yeah. It kind of reminded me of, like, Isaac's when he does his pumpkin patch thing mm-hmm. or something, where it's just, like, yeah. the community kind of, like, comes right in to support the local business. and Yeah. Except for us, was at night. So, or, or I guess it started during the day, and then it went Yeah, out. we started at, at, at uh, 1230. 1230, yeah. 12.30 to 9. Yeah. Well, I think also the difference between Isaac's and yours was that Isaac's is very centered around, like, hey, we have all of these pumpkins, or we have all of these things to sell. And yours was, like... We've got Raku, but also, like, come and have a great time, yeah. you know? And theirs is, like, have a good time, but it's really geared towards, like, making money. Selling. You yeah. know? So, that there's a difference in that regard. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. But Isaac definitely, like, messaged... We were messaging while it was happening, and they were... He was mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's the way to go, man. <laughs> yeah. It was. I mean, it, it, sales were all right. I mean, you know how it was, the, the merch tent was was doing okay mm-hmm. pottery sales were all right the raccoons you know we only we sold as many as we were listed so that was that was pretty yeah. awesome yeah because they pre-sold the raccoon pots oh okay yeah pre-sold them and we sold like 80 of them before yeah, already even started we we didn't start anymore online yeah so. 80 of the you said 120 is what y'all ended up doing total 26 yeah and the, all the extras we kept were, you know, just in case of breakage and stuff. And and, mm-hmm. and frankly, we just ran out of time. We stopped selling them at 4 o'clock, and we had a whole table full of things to fire. We didn't finish until right at 9 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> okay. Yeah. So that's the that's kind of the local support. How, so kind of separate, I guess, more broad. How do you all enjoy selling the work? Like, do you try to focus locally? Do you try to do online more? Or do you have a preference? Or how do you go about that? Um, We don't have a preference. <laughs> Eric <laughs> has a preference. Yeah, I have a preference. I, I like selling it online. We don't really do shows. We we did one or you know one or two a year. Oh, if that's what you mean, yeah, we definitely like selling online, but we have a lot of local people that buy online. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then we're part of a little co-op gallery in town too. So we work. One of us, me, works uh, one day a month there, and then we you know keep it stocked up as best we can. Okay. But I, I would say overall, about eighty-five percent of our sales are are online. Okay. Have you, has it always been that way, or is it just kind of naturally went that way just because of the Instagram, social media, and things of that nature? 
Instagram has been amazing. Like pretty much the from the first year that we started, it started growing slowly. Um, we tried to do a couple of shows at the beginning, and we were like, yeah, this is for the birds. Well, the, the hard part there was I, I still had my day job, so if I sat at a table, like that was my whole production time for the week sometimes was on the weekend. Mm-hmm. So, I, you know, that would be a week where, where I didn't make anything. We just sit there and... Well, and we had kids at home, so it was hard to coordinate an entire weekend away from the kids, and they usually had stuff going on. It just didn't work, you know? And then the shows were only producing a thousand to if we were lucky three thousand dollars and we were just doing better online so at some point we're like let's just focus here was the work that you were starting to make early on while you were still like doing the full-time job eric were you always pretty much doing melissa's style that she still does with the decorative and the all on every single piece early on piece yeah every single piece was I mean, there there might be something that had a little slip work done on it and, and is dipped in, like, you know, a bowl or plate or something. But the majority of, of our sales were, were Melissa's drawings. Okay. So then the price points were higher. They were. For that. So, like, the shows make it a little more difficult there as well. Mm-hmm. Just selling production pottery at the shows. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Okay. So, mostly online, Instagram. I think you say you have your own website, right? Yep. Okay. Workspace. Uh, workspace. And then do you all, do you all, sh- Melissa, do you ship everything or do you have help that does that? We do ship everything. Um, usually uh, we have the gals come in. We always do our sales on Sunday at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. And then I get every, all of my um, orders. Uh, prepped and then their gals come in on Monday and we get everything shipped in one day. Okay, so it's a it's a is it like an update kind of schedule or is it pieces are constantly on the site? I don't like doing that because we it's it's so much easier with our small batch production to work in batches of things. So it's easier to, you know, do batch work and then work on taking pictures and advertising and posting listings and then selling and then packing and starting over again. So that's just mm-hmm. the way we've always operated. Okay. And did the... Um... Do you go like mailing list route as well as, or is it just primarily social media and? Um, it was only social media for a while because we were using Etsy as our selling engine up until this past year. Um, and so I want to say last at the end of last November when we moved here, I broke up with Etsy and started our website with Squarespace. And that's when a mailing list started. So we are trying to take advantage of that for sure. Okay. Do you have to give them incentives to come back or do you just like, are there certain things that you think help get those sales? Is it just changing up the collections often or? I like to change collections. I try to make things that I would, I would have in my own house and I like kind of changing with the seasons. I don't necessarily do like special things for the holidays, but I like different colors that I would put out in my own house. So we kind of change in that way. Um, I don't 
normally do incentives or sales or anything like that because we have our things priced right where they need to be. Well, but um, do you have uh, people can get on the sale a half hour early? That is the one our, thing that we do. Newsletter, folks. If you subscribe to the newsletter, then we let you in. We give you a password that day and let you log in at 6.30 rather than 7. Okay. And we do, do have a lot of people that do that. Okay, that's good. Yeah. See, that's a, I feel like that's a good incentive for people. It's like it's low. Hopefully, that's low maintenance. I don't know what it looks like on the website side of things, but I would suspect they can figure that out. And it's not hard to manage at all, and it gives people. Um, if there are some people who really watch the drawings and have collected for a while now, and if there's something new, especially they and it's their jam, they will definite they will log on right at six thirty and make sure they have exactly what they want in their cart. So nice. Yeah. So the co so the collection changes. It sounds like it's mostly design changes, but are there forms that are also like introduced at different times of the year, and you might like do more of this form at this time of year and less of this other form? So it kind of like ebbs and flows of sure, stuff sure. That you yeah. have so it helps drive sales also. Springtime we hit the planters real hard, and you know in autumn we do pie pans and stuff like that. So there there's definitely some change. I mean, we sell a lot of mugs. Pretty much year-round, that's uh, pretty common, yeah. Happens, yeah, yeah. Mugs and spoon rest, man. I tell you what, I will never have enough spoon rest. There's just, I don't think there's enough time in the day to make enough spoon rest for everybody who wants one. What do you price the spoon rest at? 20 bucks. Okay, do you, are they all with uh, Melissa's designs as well? No. no. They don't have my designs at all. Yeah, just they're just dippers. Just dippers. Or or Ollie's spraying them. Yeah, he does that too. Yeah. Okay. And those are the ones that your son's making as well <laughs> as... Start so to finish pretty much. Yeah, he's doing yeah. all of himself. Yeah. Okay. It's, the only thing he doesn't do is sign the bottom. Right, Melissa does that. Yeah. Okay. Do you do the decorative signing on every single piece? Every single piece. Okay. Do you have like a template or how do you... Nope. You just freehand it? Yep. Wow. I guess we're thinking about, about doing some decal work, though. Yeah, we have a couple. We have a wholesale order that we're working on right now for a hundred mugs, and we priced them pretty low. And um, I think we're gonna do a decal signature for the first time and see how that goes. I was thinking, yeah! why not? <laughs> why not like the stamp pad, the underlay stamp pad with a rubber stamp or something? It's got three colors on it. Oh, they do. Yeah. Mm, wow. It's like two different types of green and black. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Well, we know a guy that does decals. They have them. Oh, okay. You've got them. Sweet. Yeah. I have I have the machine. Oh, you the do? Same, yeah, the same machine that Isaac has. Wow. I was talking to him about it today, actually. Because it turns out that that company sells the machine with two different toner sets. And that was something that, like, you can either get a machine with earth tone colors or you can get a machine with red toner colors. And I was sold the one with earthy colors, but, and I didn't really, like, didn't know. We didn't yeah, know I didn't have an option presented to me beforehand. And so I've been over here, like, <laughs> like reeling trying to figure out why my reds don't look like Isaac's reds and <laughs> we finally figured out it's because they have a completely different toner set so holy shit that's the reason yeah, yeah. and it's such a bummer so do you can you 
buy new materials to make it? Obviously, okay. the materials aren't cheap, but can you buy new, like, is it like ink that you're putting in there and it's just a certain... You know, they don't tell you what it is. They just say that it's toners. It's an inkjet printer that's been converted to print for ceramic decals. And so they just say earth-based materials in the toners. It's, mm. you know, they don't really tell you what it is. Um, What's not an earth-based material? <laughs> really broad <laughs> description. Um, so when I was talking with Isaac today, he didn't think that they were interchangeable. Like he, I don't think he thought that I could just say, hey guys, I'd like the red ones now. Right, you have to send it back to Germany and they have to take it apart. Yeah. yeah, there's actually a lot that goes into making that machine work. So Yeah, they don't really tell you any of that. They don't tell you any of that <laughs> you before it. you buy it. Yeah. That's like a really good thing to know though, because like, Oh, it would have been, it's in it. It's really expensive purchase. So. Yeah, how did y'all decide to make that jump? Were you already doing some decal work or paying for decals? And you were just like, why don't we just source it ourselves? Or Kind of. When we first started doing all of this eight years ago, when we started doing it seriously, I found Justin Rothschank and I loved, I loved the idea of decals. And at that time he still had, you could go to his website and he had listed like, everything that you needed to make decals, the fired on transfer sheets, the, the printer, the, you know, he's like, just go to eBay. You can find this HP printer with this toner set. And he just made it so easy. And so I did all of those things. And so right off the rip, I was making iron decals of my drawings and to go on our stuff. So when we were so busy, you know, towards the end of our time at our other house, um, it just made sense. It, yeah, was, it, it wasn't going to be scalable to, to for you to continue drawing and draw more and more and more. I mean, there's going to be a, a time where we just can't, you know, you couldn't keep up. So we were just sort of preparing for that. And we, that time is now. We're here, you know. <laughs> yeah. So. Nice. So it's like whole sheets of colored decals that you're going to get to wrapping around the pot. In process. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, are they, aren't they normally on, isn't it normally like more bare clay though, generally? Yeah, so I use, well, our production work before now has been primarily on Laguna 608, um, yeah. which is a brown stoneware. Speckle, do you use that too, That's Ryan? That's what I use for throwing, yeah. yeah. Um, and I just use um, Amico underglazes to paint with. Yeah, And I leave it raw on the outside for a couple of reasons. I like how it feels on the outside. I don't like how clear looks over them. So aesthetically, I like that. But also, um, I don't, I like the grip. Like when the glass sweats, I like how it right. doesn't like in your hands. So Right. Yeah, we've been testing different base glazes for the decals. And, and there's, some, there's some that work really well. You know, there's some that don't work at all. Yeah. So are you, but you're using, are you using like templates or something to help standardize it for yourself or how? Templates for my your, painting. Your paintings and drawings. Transfer paper. Um, so our iconic look is a pattern that we call woodlands. And I change like colorways through the years and do different colorways with that design. That design is just freehand every single time that I paint it. I lay it out. We paint it. 
uh, when the girls are here, what they do. So I'll lay it out with a marker on my mugs and they'll come back with color fill and do like the base color. And then I'll come back with two with a layer of detail color and then with the black detail to finish it off. Okay. Wow. Yeah, I'm looking at some from they're like all different color palettes. You got the red and the purple and the yellow and the wow. Yeah. The bands of color. That's just like straight underglaze. Yep. Wow. The rainbow she mug. Doesn't, she doesn't even tape them off. She just fucking oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, you don't have any black lines to like clean up that band. So you're like, okay, it's just a little. Yeah. I, and they have stacker mugs, too. I think that that's cool. Like, the fact that your mugs all stack together is, well, the, the stacker, stacker mugs. mugs are so amazing. And I think that they don't get enough credit sometimes. People have collected those stackers for such a long time now. Eric throws each one of those individually and carves them individually to fit inside the other. It's oh. wild. Yeah. That's crazy. Like, five <laughs> months ago, I was like, this is fucking ridiculous. You guys need a goddamn <laughs> laser level. And so I sent Eric my, like, extra one. And he was like, I'm not going to use it. No, but it turns out it's great. turns out it's it awesome. Turns out I it's use great. it all the time. use it every single day. I now. was like, you can't not use this with the stackers. Like, it's perfect for that. It is yeah. perfect. Mm. H- had you all ever... Um... Because some of the some of the decorative is so important that like have you ever went into the slip casting route or anything like that with forms? We've always we've always been a no mold batch work. I worked I worked at a uh, a slip casting place when I was a kid, so I have a little bit of experience with it. But no, we've never really considered it. We, Heidi was here the other day. We were talking about it a little bit. Yeah, she she switched from throwing to slip casting because. Yeah. Her body was just breaking down, essentially. Um, and she loves it, but, like, I don't know. I don't know. I it's mean, just like, a completely different skill set. And it, I it mean, is. Yeah. yeah. It seems like your time is spent doing one thing or it's spent doing something different. So it's, Right. Yeah. I mean, how much faster could it possibly be, right? I mean, I think it's throw the a couple same. thousand mugs, you get good at it. Well, yeah. and also for one person, it might. So I think that Heidi enjoys the decorative aspect of making, right? So for her, it makes sense to to slip cast to get through that process of actually making the mug, you know, and make yeah. that faster so that she has time to decorate. But with us, we have two of us, and he's really great at throwing, and I'm really and great we, at you know, decorating. We have so. Oliver too, and he's he's just picking up all the slack. He he's mm-hmm. trimming yeah. all that stuff. Pretty soon he'll be putting handles on. So teamwork. Yeah. Teamwork, yeah. Are you handling everything right now? Yeah. Yeah. But you're not pulling, right? You're. No, I pull every one of them. You're pulling them because yeah. I know you did those slab ones. I can't remember if the slab ones were. Wow. Your normal thing. No, I I pull right off right off the mug. Right off the mug. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I feel like that would be a step that I was like, ah, that would be the hardest thing to let go of would be the handle. Ryan's handles are really good. So I'm like, I don't know if it would look that good if somebody else, But I mean, obviously it takes time, but, you know. Yeah, it's personal. Right, yeah. well, you know, just, there's going to be some bad ones, as he's learning. There's going to be some bad yeah. ones. And well, there's some like, subtleties of, like, this is what I'm looking for. But if I told somebody that, it'd be like, this seems nitpicky. But it's also like, you know, 
It's your a work. Handle on a mug of a potter, like a, I think a handle is is kind of a signature, right, for a potter. Mm, I think so. Yeah. I think there's something has their own style, you know. Well, and like a handle can make or break a mug. Really, it's like if you get like a if there's like a beautiful freaking mug and you can't pick it up because the handle is like either too small or too skinny or too fat. There's something awkward about it's it. It just doesn't work. It's like, oh, okay. Like, that was nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm never going to pick that up again. Right. Or maybe it's perfect to pick up if you hold, if you kind of like cup the mug and you just put, you know, you, you don't actually just hold it by the handle and that's yeah. it. You kind of like put your fingers through the body of the mug and just kind of cradle it. I don't yeah. know. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Okay. So do you feel, uh, are you feeling it, Eric? Like, are you throwing significantly more that you've been doing it full-time for, how long <laughs> have you been doing it full-time officially? Uh, since December 18th of last year. Okay, so you're coming up on a year. Have coming up on a year, you, yeah. Like, is your throughput significantly more than when you were doing it? Oh, yeah, so I'd, much more, man, so much. I, I can just stay out there, you know, on days that we don't have classes and we don't have workshops going, I can just stay out there for 16, 18 hours and just, you know, do as much as I want until okay. I'm forced to go to sleep. I, I'm throwing forced to go to sleep. More. Yeah. Melissa's like, are you coming to bed or we what? We have children, Eric. <laughs> and I tell you what, man, with all the practice, my skills are sharper now too. You know, doing it all the time. I just, uh, you know, streamlines the process and, Taking Becca's throwing efficiency class also helped. He didn't okay. need to take it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, even if he picked up like one thing to cut out, he did some pick time. up one thing. He okay. picked up one thing. I mean, that's most of those kind of workshops. If you could pick I up also, one thing, yeah. I also got him a new student through that class. Oh yeah, she starts on Thursday. And she came for Heidi's workshop. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. really? Yeah, like we talked to her and she was like. Yeah, I'm in this other class. I've been doing all these other things and blah blah blah. And I was like, well, you know, they're really great. And <laughs> she like messaged me on Instagram like later and was like, thanks so much for the class. That was so awesome. And like, really considering. It. I was like, I think you should. And she was like, I did it. <laughs> oh, she was she was at another studio. Yeah, and she like she like canceled that class oh, and went wow. to the Beals class instead. So, are there a yeah. lot of other options for people that want to work in clay near you? Yeah, there's there's three other places within five miles of us. Wow, mm-hmm. well, that's that's quite a bit. That's mm-hmm. yeah, it's a ton, man. It's uh, almost unbelievable, right? Mm-hmm. The difference, though, the thing that sets us apart from those places, and and I think, in my opinion, every all the instructors there, everybody has something to offer, right? Everybody does things like a different way, so everybody has something to bring to the table. The difference, though, is is the studio space is usually shared at those places with different mediums. And um, at our place, you can just work straight pottery and and do some more advanced things. And there's just like a community center or something. So they, they have painting and other mediums and just pottery is just like a subset. That's not the full focus. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, and you can do like independent study with theirs. So if you were like Eric, I want to do a two like a two piece vase, you know, they would work on that, you know, and it's more 
geared towards what the student wants as opposed to okay. doing the exact same class every single time. Right. And on the independent study end there, you know, I got some people mixing their own glazes, running their own glaze tests now. So that's awesome. You know, they come out and people come in with their own ideas and just we help them get to the end. Yeah. Are you, how is the, and have you all been teaching, did you only start teaching like when you had that new space or were you teaching before that? Um, Melissa ran, ran at the local art center for a couple of years. She ran the classes out there. Okay. So you kind of had an idea coming into what kind of structure you wanted, how you wanted to, you know, have the studio with like specific X number of week classes and studio memberships and stuff like that. Yeah. Well, also, Eric, you you cut yourself short there a little bit. When we you taught a little bit before I met you. I was just a volunteer at, at your studio. Yeah, you kind of oh. took over my classes, actually. <laughs> no, but it's when we worth it. I mean, it sounded like you got something out of the volunteer work in the end of it. Yeah, you so. got a freaking wife and three kids. <laughs> <laughs> but no, but I taught you know twenty. So that years wasn't slave labor. no and when we first met we opened after we met at that little hole in the wall studio we opened a studio with three other artists four other artists two was it was us and two at the beginning it was actually uh two of my high school art teachers and and melissa and i opened up a studio then we ended up picking up a a watercolor painter and a jeweler it was so nuts it was like 3500 square feet right downtown we had a huge gallery space we taught the pottery classes we were so young we ruined it we just (laughs) ruined it this sounds very familiar there was um figure drawing jewelry casting yeah all painting classes marble they were carving marble there yeah (laughs) it was there was all kinds of stuff going on it was so cool but no accountant no business manager no no business (laughs) yeah Yeah. just a bunch of artists just yeah trying trying to give a make a go of it yeah Yeah, so, so we we made a lot of mistakes back then. So we we came into it this time with with a clearer set of expectations. Yeah, when we when that place closed and we moved back out this way towards the dunes, we and Eric was working at the mill. We always said if we did it again, it would be on our home property and without would... any partners. So did you have to build, um, I was looking at like the renovation stuff. Did you have to, so you had to go in and build everything or was the structure there and you just had to like make it enjoyable? We, we bought the house because of the barn, man. We saw the place, the barn and the yard. And, and before we even went in the house, we knew this was our spot. So there was a, a 1500 square foot pole barn, had its own 200 amp uh, electric service, its own gas meter. And uh, that was it. No, nothing on the inside. So we remodeled the whole inside and filled it full and, looking at expanding already you know yeah we brought water to the building we sunk septic we did a ton of electric work yeah they took our firstborn son in exchange for a bathroom so (laughs) (laughs) oh man Tell, tell him how you're uh tell him how the the water system is like you know like do you have a uh uh, a clay trap of any sort? I have a, a natural clay trap. Large <laughs> natural clay trap. What does that mean? 
What does well, that en- mean? Envision a large hole. Okay, I hope the county is not listening to this. Envision a large hole. So he doesn't even have a clay drop, he just has two pipes going into a fucking hole in the backyard. not going in our septic so no it's not going in the septic fucking brilliant i was like if more people did that they'd be fine yeah and then we throw pots that we don't want in there yeah it's the 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 viking yeah all the all the ugly stuff goes in there for phil yeah if it's not (laughs) shot up by ollie it's it goes in the hole Uh oh so you just have like a when it rains really bad, do you just have like a line of bleeding from that wherever it goes out to just? The hole is in a natural depression in the land anyway. That kind of I don't know. There's like a whole little river system that goes it's to like a, a little. Swamp. Yeah. Like a... Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 So they're not like they're not terrorizing any other property because of the stuff that's in there even not that any of that stuff is bad for the earth but um but it just goes into the swamp (laughs) pit of despair (laughs) (sighs) we had a lot of bad pots though it looks like there's a gallery space on site too is that right no No, that's that's somewhere else Beverly Shores, oh. Indiana. That's somewhere else. Oh yeah, yeah. That's a little co-op that we're part of. Yeah, oh, that's a co-op. Little okay. artist collective, and it's kind of neat because it's nestled right in, right in the Dunes property. So there's a lot of traffic, oh. a lot of tourist traffic there. Okay, okay, okay. So how, um, like, how many classes do y'all have regularly, and like, how much are y'all teaching versus Ooh. producing work? Man, that's the hard question, isn't it? Like when do you when do you dial it back? So we were running four separate courses, one of which was uh, an independent study. So we didn't have a curriculum for that, but we had two one on one classes and then a, a an advanced class for people who wanted to you know step up to the next level. Um, we dialed that down to just three classes a week, and coming up at the end of the month, we're going to have only our independent study through through winter into February before we take classes on again try to get all of our christmas and mother's day stuff ready okay do they under do the student because i would guess if you got students like they want to be there 24 7 and just keep taking classes and keep having access versus you know saying these are the only times we're going to allow you because we need to focus on other stuff we do that actually. We say, you know, independent study is on these days at this time. We run it. We have allowed students to come in on Tuesdays now because sometimes uh, people need daytime hours. So they'll come in on Tuesdays from two to four. But then our main independent study or like membership time is Friday nights from five to nine. I think you meant about cut, cutting the classes. Yeah. Do you have to, do you have specific like, weeks or months of the year that you say this is when we can only offer classes and access to the studio and then oh so we allow members to be here all the time pretty much uh so only around christmas is the only time we shut it down and run classes the rest of the year right but independent study will still be here through the independent study folks are are year round we don't ever stop that one how many members can you all handle 
Well, we can take comfortably 12 people in a class. We have six wheels and then six people working on tables. I think our current membership is 14 people in our independent study, 14 or 16 between two days. Mm -hmm. I want to talk about how your, um, I think the way their classes are set up are really cool. And I think that if you're in a partnership business type studio space, I think the way that you guys do classes is really smart. And, and um, I like for you to tell people how you do it, like the six and the six. Oh, thanks, Becca. Um, we, so like Eric said, we have six wheels, seven, but he uses one as a teaching wheel. And then there are six extras. And then we have big tables that I teach hand building on. So like, for instance, a one-on-one class is five weeks long, five sessions, three hours at a time. But the first two sessions, we split into group groups of six and I teach um hand building for two weeks he teaches wheel and then we swap after two weeks and the last class we all come together to glaze oh okay so, oh, so, so nobody's just focusing on wheels straight for four nope. weeks and, and the one-on-one class everybody gets a little bit of everything you know because sometimes people come in and they know right away if they're a hand builder or they know right away if they just want to be on the wheel and learn that you know and then the 102 class is built so that they get more time in either one of those things. That's so. a six-week course without any swapping. So you sign up for either table time or, or six weeks on the wheel. Yeah. And you have, you're both in the in each of the 102 classes? Yep. Mm -hmm. And you still have like, you know, six and six available and, okay. Yep. Wow. Okay, so how do you, uh, how do they like that? Do you have pe people that are like, Oh, I wish I could just do that more or we do. And then they sign back up and they do the other thing and then they sign up again and they do the thing that the first thing again, and then they sign up and they end up being an independent study, which yeah. is where we try to funnel, you know, the folks that, that want to continue doing it. Yeah. That way you don't have to keep doing bigger and bigger projects and more effort and more curriculum. You got to prep and get right. ready and all that stuff. Right. So the, you know, one one and one or two, we teach different skills and then, after they they feel like they've got a grip on those skills they they can sign up for time and just make whatever they like okay so is it pretty much is it only the two of you that do any teaching in this space uh no we have some other people we have uh heather connors runs our kids programs during the summer and then uh sydney rayner does uh teens courses uh one day a week and then sometimes we bring in people to do outside workshops yeah we do have that that's been going on too yeah i did a a jewelry workshop which was a disaster and oh everybody had a good time everyone loved it Why was it a disaster becca it was a disaster because i because i it was my fault it wasn't their fault you had it, a lot of people too you had like i had, seven, I had 17 people. people that's a lot that's a lot of people we didn't even have enough chairs for them and what was the workshop it was the jewelry workshop it was jewelry and like what my what the issue was with um, was that when I used to do um, single firings with the underglazes, I used to use Mako underglazes and speedball underglazes do not act the same at all. And the speedball underglazes, you can't really single fire with them. Just heads up. And um, <laughs> is it because you have to hang them and they can't touch the? Well, yeah, you the hang shelf. them, but it has so much moisture in it that like 
it just dissolves the clay and it, they would just like break apart. Oh. So okay. the next one I do, I'm going to have to do, uh, have like pieces that are already bisqued mm-hmm. for like the delicate pieces. But the painting was fine. Like painting was fine. Okay. It was just dipping. It was up. just kind of high expectations for one short yeah. time period. Kind of. Was it a three hour, three hour workshop? Yeah, it was three hours and I feel like it could have been four easily. Yeah. You pulled it off though and everyone was happy. Yeah. I didn't punch anybody. I almost uh, did. We would have known that was like a concern beforehand. Yeah. <laughs> At least like, a disclaimer. Like we would have kept that security guy. <laughs> bottle or something. No, everybody was so amazing. Like there was only a few people that I was like, please be smarter. But um <laughs> <laughs> but pretty much I would say almost everybody was just super amazing and gracious and like yeah. even if they did break they were like that's fine I'll just do something else or mm-hmm. what have you so yeah how did y'all initially decide to start having outside workshops what up home skillets so um, we're interrupting this time because we couldn't interrupt it at the time of the time so I wanted to talk to you about the l l thermal couple guard because that's my favorite part of the the new kilns is that you know how like when you have a normal thermal couple it just like sticks out and it's just like out there all willy-nilly in front of god and everybody you know and it just has no protection at all well on the new thermal couples in the lnl kilns they have a cool guard, and it's almost like a PVC pipe type thing, but it's ceramic, obviously. But it's kind of like a tube that surrounds the thermocouple, and what it's doing is that it's protecting it from any damage that might happen, so it'll get damaged before the thermocouple actually gets damaged. And also, what I think is really, really great is that none of the black, dusty stuff that happens to quite literally every thermocouple, whether you get it from one kiln company or the other, um, it degrades and it starts to like kind of crumble and fall. And that guard is actually going to catch all those little black crumblies. And that, in my opinion, is the coolest thing about the new LNLs because I haven't seen a thermocouple guard like that in any other kiln. And I just think that that's so nice. Like what's great about it is that, you know, you have to protect three thermocouples. You're not just, because there is zone control, you're not just protecting one thermocouple. You have to protect three. And that just kind of takes the worry out of it all. So you can go to hotkilns.com and see what I am talking about and find all of the LNL awesomeness that you want. Uh, they have an fantastic website that has all of the things you need and also it has a great troubleshooting area as well. I've used it many a times, even for my kiln that's not LNL. So yeah, let's get back to our regular program. Uh, really, we wanted the, the space to make money on its own without us, you know, just to keep it, keep it active. Well, and I wanted to be able to offer students things that we couldn't or things that we didn't focus on, you know, like we, we do a lot in our studio space, but like when Heidi came, I don't do screen printing. I don't do mono printing. And there's so many ways 
there's so many ways that you can do surface decoration. So it was really neat for some of our students to be able to experience that and have that as an opportunity for them. And like John Britt too, holy cow, people were so excited to be able to take his workshop. Shop. They came from all over the place. It's neat to be able to offer things like that in this area. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know the... Uh... Like we have, we have some little like workshops at Baker Hunt, but it's just like, they, they kind of just tell the instructors like, Hey, if you have an idea for workshops, we'd love to have workshops, but taking it to that level of like communicating with people that are outside of the community that's right there is so much more logistics and cost. And what do you charge people to do it? How many people do you expect? What is their fee? Do they travel, do they have expenses? Like the the overhead and the logistics are just so much more it's a separate it's a it's a next level of like financials as well as just planning and marketing that it's it's tough <laughs> so For sure. um and everybody has their like Heidi I will say Heidi and John both had their own baseline like they came prepared with yes I'll do a workshop this is what I expect from the workshop this is this and John had a whole breakdown like charge for mileage charge for meals charge for his time chart you know what I mean like he knew exactly what to ask for which made it very easy and also that was a learning process for me because then I kind of learned how to look at other workshops and how to work with other artists and making sure that we're making money bringing people to the studio but also making sure they're getting compensated properly so Marvel is making a Hi, Marvel. Marvel. <laughs> <laughs> so does do you also have to do you talk with the the presenters about how to how much to charge for it and how many seats are available? I would guess somebody like John would probably have a limit of number of seats and all of that. Um, we had to generally he's he was going for thirty. We didn't know if we could accommodate that many, but it ended up working out just fine. I think yeah, that's probably I would our say max. That's probably the, <laughs> that's most, probably yeah, our the max. most you could fit in there. Um, and I. I just, and with with Heidi, I just kind of let her know how many I thought would comfortably fit in there. With jewelry, with Becca, I just tried, I knew that it would be, everyone would kind of need a small space, so I try to fill you up and make you some money. Yeah, and like, well, if... Because they can probably work off of a small square bat or something. Right, if you're surprised need. at all, I had no idea how much money she was going to give me. <laughs> because <laughs> there's different things right like the the day rates and stuff that's like a flat dollar fee right versus like a percentage yeah and of I th like you get a 60 uh, percent of the of the ticket that each ticket that gets sold or whatever right. versus you know yeah and i think that like had it been somebody that i didn't know i probably would have been like this is my day rate but like i was mm -hmm. going to their space regardless mm -hmm. so it was like whatever i don't fucking care like Charge whatever you want. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Do you think it was a fair price? Uh, I would probably, like, yes, after it filled up. Mm -hmm. But, like, I think that... Was I, it just a flat fee or was it a per ticket? I think that, like, if I'd gone to a place and I, like, didn't know you and all those things and, like, only two people signed up for, like, the throwing class, I would have been bummed. Yeah. 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 What was the percentage, Ryan? The percentage, yeah. Because yeah. so, sometimes it's like, you yeah. know, do I chart, do I do it like hourly? Do yeah. I want to make like 35 an hour or something for my time or, you know, whatever. Yeah. 
And then it's like, how much can I make if I was making my own stuff versus teaching and how, yeah, it's, it's a difficult, and I'm sure there's such a range, even the people you've talked to with the workshops, like John and Heidi, like you've worked with enough people, you probably see kind of the range of, yeah, you know, what do you pay people? Yeah. Like Tim C his like daily minimum, I think is like 1200. Yeah. You know? It's crazy. Like it's crazy. Like his daily minimum is twelve hundred, and then that doesn't include flight, like lodging, stay lodging, yeah. food, like that stuff is oh, on. Wow. Yeah. So it's like, and it it kind of especially when you're like not a a big person. Like I'm not somebody that everybody knows. So it's like, uh, like it, yeah. But that that's like a business. That's a that's a way that he diversifies his business so it's like yeah. like that's a serious part of his how he makes his money so right. you know and it's a big toll on you mentally and just the effort and talking all day is very taxing so for sure oh yeah i slept so good that night <laughs> <laughs> and then whatever work you have to do to prep what you're going to do and talk about and yeah. make sure you have all the materials and how long is it actually going to take versus like Oh, we can get this done in three hours. And you were saying like it could have been four it hours. It could have or, easily been four hours. Yeah. I yeah. thought it was gonna be I thought it was gonna be too little time. Like or like or too much time. I thought I was I was gonna get done with it and then all these people would be like, I'm done. But mm-hmm. it was like not like that at all. Yeah. <laughs> and you figure that out the more you do it, right? So like the people that yeah. have done a lot, they're like, Okay, I know what questions are gonna come up when I'm talking about this topic and I know what I need to cover and what I can breeze past, what I need to leave a little room for questions or you know. Yeah, and like in my workshop there were so many different things to not only not only was there there was like so many different things to do. So you could do something with a slab or you could do it with extruding stuff. And like I made slabs before and I extruded all the things thanks to Melissa being like, you should do this. And um <laughs> And it was way too much, but it was perfect. It, like, worked out. But, like, you know, my workshop was, like, any level. Mm-hmm. So, so like, I had the people that were, like, I don't fucking know what I'm doing right now. Mm-hmm. Like, just making it up as they go. And which is was fun, but also, like, there's a lot to be said. It's like, oh, right. I have these little tiny U-hooks that you need to put in your clay. And half of the people were over 50, and they couldn't even see the U-hooks. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know you need to provide the little, like, mirror, the little magnifying, magnifying glass, glass thing. They're like, Becca, how do you get this? And I'm, like, going around just, like, putting all the U-hooks in for everybody. I'm trying to thread and needles like, over there. They're like, you should make those bigger. And I was like, those are twice the size of mine. <laughs> like... <laughs> They appreciated you and your help so much. They were, I've seen so many of them wearing the earrings. Oh, uh, I thought most They're of so them, proud of them. That's so great. Like, some of them came out really great. Some of them looked awful. Some of them, like, but most of them looked really great. I think that, yeah, I would probably do a few things differently, a lot of things differently next time. But it was fun. And yeah. it was a great group of women mm-hmm. to do it with because they were all super gracious. Had you taught the jewelry virtually or in person before? Mm-mm. Okay. No. How would that go if it was virtual? Would you be able to do it virtually? 
Yeah, if they had a kiln, I guess. Yeah, if they were in their own studios and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. So yeah. have you, with like the workshop options, have you figured out, because some, some people I would think like, oh, this is like too niche. This is too specific of a technique or a process of like faceting forms or something like, I don't know, where it's like, are, is that like marketable to enough people that we would get enough to do it versus like. Well, we have enough people coming in and out of the studio at this point that um, I'm able to kind of run ideas by people, the, the students, members, before offering yeah, take it. Yeah, temperature on, on interest. Yeah, so I keep talking about Heidi's workshop, but it just happened. So um, yeah. I um, I had kind of put it out there to members and, it, you know, explained what it was and kind of expressed my interest in it and that I was excited about it. And then I started getting people saying that they would definitely be interested. And once I got so many people that said they were interested in learning that technique, then it was a go. Mm -hmm. Then I just needed to get Heidi to say yes. <laughs> and then I kind of got people hyped up by saying, you know, like, okay, we're waiting to see what she says. Okay. She said, yes, she's coming. And <laughs> you know, what's funny is that I was with Heidi when they were trying to get her to say yes. <laughs> oh, so did you have to sway a little long. bit? Were you all working, Heidi, from both sides there? Like, I don't. Well, we hadn't met Becca in person then, so I don't know if Becca knew oh, what okay. getting into yet. I didn't, but I was like, just do it. And then, and then Heidi was like, okay, but I have to make this much money. And I was like, and then I was like, I should have done that. And I have and to then... have my lunch at 11 a.m. and take my walk. At 10.30 a.m. And be off by 4 p.m. And bring her lunch and took a lunch break. She came early enough to get set up and took her lunch. And it was perfectly timed. She's great. I so really funny. love her. Yeah. Oh, my God. I love Heidi with all of my heart. She's like. <laughs> Did she bring her things to be happy about and start the workshop with that? <laughs> that would have been amazing. No, she didn't. Okay. No. I needs to include that next time i don't know anybody that could like be in a workshop with heidi and not just leave smiling because like <laughs> first of all her voice is like different than any other person's voice i've ever heard and just like the way she talks is just so freaking hilarious to me and i love it so much <laughs> yeah she's pretty great we had a good time yeah and she's the sweetest but she hates people which is <laughs> the best <laughs> the best the best. I don't know. After that workshop, she was talking about doing more workshops, so maybe she likes people again. Yeah, you know what's funny is that um, when I went to her house, she's like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I want to be alone. And then at the end, she was like, maybe I do need to talk to people. And I was like, you think? Like, you yeah, know, I we think she all, was kind of sad when you left. To, yeah, right? we all need to. Like, I think that when we work alone, we don't realize how much we need the community that we have. And community like, is everything. Yeah. And, like, when you work alone for a long time, you're like, I'm fine. And then you, like, see somebody that doesn't annoy you and, like, kind of understands what you're going through. Like, when I went to Heidi's studio and your studio, I knew how to operate things. So it's not like somebody coming in and being like, don't touch that, you yeah. know? So it's, so you're not, like, Did worried. Did you break anything? No. She, she left a lot of yeah, things we, behind. Yeah, we have we have a little folding like table. A Becca too. trail. Oh yeah, she did say she left her table. And, and caramel. A, oh, your caramel too. Yeah. Yeah. 
Who gave and you a little plastic bowl. Thistle more gave you caramel. Yeah. No, that was the. Thank God I had had some of it before I left it. I also left all of my frozen dinners that yep. I in your yep. freezer and your popsicles. And my popsicles. You love the popsicles. Huh? I do, but I made. I meant to leave the popsicles. You know what's funny is that I left Teresa and Brandon's like three days ago, and I left my laptop, and then I had to go back to get it. <laughs> I had to go back and get it, and then I walked out, and then he texted me, you left your sweatshirt. So I had to go back. <laughs> Good she, thing you don't have a house, and you and don't she have hands more stuff. Me, she hands me my sweatshirt, and she's like, is that everything? And I was like, yes. You tell me. <laughs> and then and then Deidre saw it. Deidre, his mom, saw it, who had Lloyd. And then she goes, I wrote you a list. So <laughs> You have everything that you need, and you don't leave anything behind. That's what my mom. And I was like, thank you. What else? Did, didn't you have to come back after you left? Didn't mm-hmm. you come back here, too? What was that for? For my sweatshirt and my T-shirt. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. And then you left your bowl. Yeah, you went back for that plastic bowl, though. Like, that was from the dog. Okay. Is it the Beale sweatshirt? That, the green one? Yeah, the Beale sweatshirt. I left that. Oh, okay. Yeah, and then, like... Oh, at Heidi's, I left my tongs, my kitchen tongs. <laughs> and she's like, are these yours? And I was like, not anymore. Oh like, They're yours now. Yeah. I like, just bought yeah. new ones today. You just leave little pieces of yourself, like, everywhere you're traveling. That's the, the Bex Trail. The Bex Trail. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they call her up here. The Bex trail. Bex. Is it Bex a beer? Is it a Potter? (laughs) (laughs) Is it B U C K S? Yeah. It's right there. Yeah, beer. Yeah, the green one. Oh, it's cool looking. (laughs) Ooh, it's a German. Tastes like Heineken. It's German. I have to put in my birthday. Okay, I'll do that. Five. All right. Eric, I had to, I had a question. So the like the decision to go full time was that was was what was influencing that decision when you had to make that? Was that like a financial play? Was it a enjoyment play? Was it body strain like all of the above like definitely wasn't a financial play <laughs> but uh, no man you know I, for financials of like this business could be so much bigger if we had more time of yours oh absolutely absolutely you know what it, what it comes down to man you've only got so much time and i was just just miserable at my day job just hated it you know just Hated it, and and before I knew it, I would have been there 20 years, and I just couldn't imagine doing any more days. And and really, the day that I quit, I Melissa and I didn't even talk about it. I just quit. I just went in there, and I was like, I quit. I'm leaving. And that that was the end of that. I mean, we had talked about it We knew it, it was coming, but we didn't have like yeah. a, a set a hard day. plan in mind for the day and the, yeah. Well, there were some things that like, lined up and I was like okay whenever you're ready and you just kind of were like okay I'm ready yeah so you you all discussed it and then you were like okay I'm leaving it up to you because at the end of the day if you're not comfortable with it 
then yeah, uh, like you decide for yourself. Yeah, and then I just quit. So. <laughs> How many but days I mean, was that? Was that like two days? You were like, all right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe a week. Maybe a wow, week. Wow, really? But it had been like the plan, you know, like this, the plan to buy this place and have a bigger studio, like the growth had been years in, in planning, you know? I mean, we remodeled that barn in like a month. Yeah. Just like for like six weeks. Just went to town on it, man. Wow. And you were pretty, did you have to do a lot of the work and stuff to do that as well? Or was it you contracted out all the stuff and you were still working and? Uh, no, no, just, just the electric and the plumbing we contracted out and then uh, we did, did everything else. Okay. Wow. Yeah. It was a whirlwind. So were there were there decisions throughout that period while you're still working that you were like, oh, like, you know, Melissa's saying, hey, can we do this? And you're like figuring out like in your your time frame of what you have available, you're like, OK, like, can I get that done? And you have to say no. And then you're like, OK, well, what what else can we do? And said like, hey, you don't really tell Melissa. No, you just uh, just <laughs> find the time to do it. Just just make it happen. Okay, but yeah, I mean, we we both had a pretty good vision. I mean, there's a few things that that we disagreed about, and then she got her way to get my way, and <laughs> that that's just how it goes, man. You know, just a lot of work. I'm glad it's done. You don't have to do it again until we add on to this thing. Yeah, like I really wanted an atrium added to the east side of the building. She tried to convince me to to put a greenhouse up <laughs> out of the east wing of campus. You had a greenhouse. <laughs> That's where I wanted my production work to go on was in the greenhouse. We compromised on glass doors for the for the barn. Yeah, no greenhouse, glass doors for the barn. <laughs> <laughs> Do you hear that? What is it? Open the door. Oh. <laughs> it's Erica. <laughs> Hi, how are you guys doing? How are you doing? She's doing a little call there. What are you working on, Erica? Yes. Oh my god, I thought you guys were done. I thought that's why you did it because we were still talking. God, no, she texted me. I said, do the sheep. Do it one time so we can hear it. All right, all right. For the listeners, just a special little treat. Don't look at her. And don't look, don't at, look, don't at, look at me. Don't look at me. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, okay. <laughs> we were we were graced with that while we were visiting. Amish country at Jesse's for Michiana Power Tour, and it was great. And you can like hear Melissa in the background of the video. They're like, wow, you're really good at that. <laughs> the best. Thanks, Erica. You're welcome, Yay. friends. Anything for you guys. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. Well, uh, back to weighing stuff. <laughs> Thanks, Erica. Uh, oh, God. All right. 
I had a question for Melissa. Did you did you notice a shift in Eric? Have you like pre full time now pottery full time? Night and day, Ryan. He's living his best life. Like quality of life enhanced by a million. Different guy. He's like he's he's back to the guy that I met in that hole in the wall pottery studio twenty some years ago. Happy as a clam. Is it um like what is it um I don't know, I'm trying to think is it more like he seemed like he was overworked and just like pushing it so hard and just doing everything he could? Well, you have to understand, like, for most of of raising our kids, he worked at that steel mill and the job that he had was so demanding and it was so dirty and it was physically and mentally exhausting. And, you know, that was our livelihood. And quite often it was held over his head. Like if he said no to overtime or said no to weekend work, then he didn't know early on if he would have a job you know like oh yeah they would get rid of guys for not work you know only working 50 55 hours a week that they get you fired so there was a time when like i would i think you talked about this on a on your burnout um episode where you were you mentioned you didn't want to have to say no to go to picnics or you know kids birthdays or whatever send racial on her own that's exactly how we lived our lives and it was terrible he missed so many things um yeah we were on call too so you know besides all the hours you just would get called in in the middle of the night or holidays and and all the time i mean he did his best to kind of make it all work he tried to coach little league and was president of the board for a little while for the kids vice president vice president president, um of the board for the little league and you know tried to spend as much time as he could but it was exhausting and draining and he just hated it and the more time went on the more i mean i'm the happiest motherfucker in the world now (laughs) (laughs) it's good to hear man (laughs) i mean we get to spend the the whole the whole goal like family means everything to us and we're tight with our with our parents with our brothers and sisters and an extended family but our immediate family i mean our kids mean the world to us and to be able to gain that time with them before they're all up and out of the house has been so precious like it's they been worth it anymore yeah. and you're like oh i wish i had that time when no, you no they're the see. cool parents oh really yeah. Okay. I don't think our kids think that. <laughs> Does that mean they're gonna stick around a while and you're gonna have to like shove them out? I well, mean, we're there on one of them right now. <laughs> he's he's currently saving and and shopping for a house, so maybe mm. by spring we'll see. <laughs> um, but I mean, I like that they're all here together for just this. I know that we're in like this bubble of time that is not gonna last very long, you know. And everybody's relationships are definitely stronger right now, growing because of it. So. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got to work. It's it's awesome to make your own conditions and, you know, mm-hmm. right. work at your own house. Well, and it helps. Like, the kids got on board pretty early. Like, once we got everything built, I would say the transition over here and, like. We whipped them into shape during the remodel. 
just Everyone. slaved them away, man. They were exhausted and they didn't really know like what to expect. But once everything started running here, then they started like getting more involved. And that has made all the difference is having them involved and on board. So. So do they actually like do work like they're making things or is it just like lending yeah. a hand when they you need help to do something around the studio or the house? Oh, Ali, Ali's with us every day. He works right. five days a week, and, and he's all over it. Uh, Mila, our youngest, is uh, she's really talented, and there's a there's place for her. However, she is on the debate team, which is, uh, you know, nonstop. I had no idea when, when <laughs> debate is nonstop. Does give you all some good topics to debate in the studio or something? Is she, or is it like, you know? It's hard to debate against her now. She's getting good. Um, good. <laughs> yeah, it's just her time is occupied by debate, and it's almost heavy debate season. But she's uber talented. She has been drawing since she was little and has just developed a really great skill for it. Um, but she's also one of those super creative people. She's with, working on some decals for us right now. Yeah, and she's got ADD just like I do, so she you can't push her, you know? She has to come up with the ideas, and I don't I don't want to stifle her creativity, so I don't push with her super hard. But I would say, but all three of the kids are there to help us whenever we need it. Like, they stepped up big time to help with the party and get ready for, they help get ready for workshops. And, I mean, they, all three of them help pretty well. Nice. How was the, how was the, um getting more comfortable financially with it when you made that jump and then you're like okay like this is going to be a little bit of a oh some some days are some months are terrifying man yeah like really scary (laughs) but it's i mean we've taken on a ton of overhead that's the scariest part yeah the studio was expensive we put a lot of money into it Mm -hmm. but um for the most part it's I mean, we have a steady stream of people. Yeah, things coming. moving in the right direction. Yeah, so it's okay. just a matter of keeping it going. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's probably tough when you've got to like shift home, so that's like a new house payment, or maybe you owned your house before, and then you got to like, okay, now you got to invest a whole bunch of money overhead to build this. Structure. The hardest thing for right. me to manage the finances is going from a good steady paycheck to not right wildly (laughs) unpredictable incomes you know sometimes you make a ton of money sometimes you don't with the batch work i can kind of plan you know like for things to to happen at a certain time um to benefit to be a benefit to us but it is still different from having a weekly you know paycheck to going from having one big monthly drop so Mm -hmm. it's 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 been a big adjustment the the classes are kind of the thread that ties it all together you know they keep the income a steady income coming in it's predictable and right yeah i would suspect because it's just so like okay we can fill 12 people for x number of weeks and then you know that you you know maybe force the capacity of classes in a week and then you can kind of count on that yeah. But then that takes away production time. And it's not so much just the class time, it's the prepping for the classes, you know, the cleaning, get everything ready. That That's really what, what burns up the time. Yeah. yeah, something that I didn't consider, like trying to balance production work and classes is that 
usually when we're doing a when we're in heavy batch production, I have everything set out. So when I'm painting, it all happens in stages. So I'll set out 20 mugs that I'm doing this way and another 20 mugs that I'm doing this way, work on it a little bit to, you know, the first day, the second day, I come back and do certain layers of painting. But with classes, I have to do a, a little bit, put it all away, bring it all back out the next day. <laughs> you know what I mean? You don't have dedicated spaces for each of you to do your own thing. Yes. Right. right. That's and why... Oh, go on. I was just going to say in the new year, that's definitely a goal is to rearrange a space for me to just leave my production work where it sits. Yeah, maybe one day even leave the photo booth stuff out. Oh, that would oh, be. Man. Oh, my fucking God, the photo booth. <laughs> we took photos for the entire day. It was yeah. awful. <laughs> Yep. I don't see how Kurt does it. Kurt Hammerly does like mm. ten thousand photos and a draw or whatever. I don't even know what it is, but it's he just gives himself great. time though. That's something that I haven't quite mastered is to give myself enough time for the amount of things that we're putting out. Like to to I I usually only give myself three days, and that's just not enough time. Oh. Because you, cause you put a date on the calendar like two weeks out when you're glazing or something, and then you're like, okay, this is our date, this is what we got, and then you're like, okay, we'll figure out the filling yeah. the gaps. Of, we right. need to have like a whole week of taking pictures. There's, and, there's and always marketing. one or two kiln loads that just don't even get photographed, you know, and they get pushed off to the next, next update or sent out to a shop or something. Mm-hmm. I was going to say that when I had my studio, I ended up making like even it was like the smallest studio it was like six feet wide by like maybe 20, um, maybe no, maybe 12. It was not very big um, as far as a like a little space is concerned. But I did that at the latter half of the studio and it changed the way that I made stuff so significantly because I didn't have to put anything away. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have to, like, move things for classes and stuff. I could just leave them there. It was, like, the best. And you were facing a wall, so you were, like, yeah, focused. Versus focused. being in a studio setting where you're probably the head of the table and you can see the rest of the studio in front of you. Or yeah, like, it was, like, the size of... It was it was a little bit longer, but, but like, the size of where your kilns are. Mm-hmm. And I would just face the wall the whole time, and it was fucking great. <laughs> <laughs> Like you were in in-house dis- detention or something. Yes. <laughs> so have y'all had to make decisions of like, okay, maybe we should try this thing or do this form because we need more sales of this item or, you know, quantities of, you know, what's for one, what's possible for Eric to produce versus like, okay, what haven't we had in a bit? So maybe we bring this back or. Yeah, we're always looking at the flow of things. In fact, we're just talking about, you know, what our holiday updates are going to look like and what things to to bring back and make for that. We're we're always changing and and trying to keep it fresh. Right, and at the same time, we're growing, so the numbers of things we produced in previous years isn't sufficient. So we have to up the numbers while we're, you know, adding extra forms and stuff. It's just, it's unfair that you have to sleep every day. (laughs) if just like every other day i would get so much more done you probably skip meals don't you you probably like are making and doing stuff and you're like ryan i'm like a lion dude i eat one meal a day really yeah (laughs) except when bex was over here we ate a lot we took a lot of breaks too 
<laughs> okay, are you standing and throwing or are you sitting and throwing? I'm sitting. I'm sitting. Yeah. Okay. I never made the jump, man. You you throw standing up, don't you? Yeah. Were you when you were working in the mill, were you mostly doing standing or sitting or I would guess you're standing probably, but Yeah, I was out I was out in the field with the guys, uh, you know, the last last decade of that I, w- I was supervision but uh so it wasn't i wasn't climbing like i used to but i was still out there help, you know lending a hand okay yeah i feel like when when you have like a standing sort of job like that going back and like standing more to throw just seems like awful yeah that's probably why i sit for a living to be on a computer and then i stand to throw but i don't know <laughs> yeah. you find like when you're like 10 12 or 14 inches tall you find it's hard to, to stay stable standing he doesn't make stuff that tall no, I don't make anything. I don't usually throw anything with more than like four pounds of clay, but most of my stuff is under two pounds of clay. Yeah, so uh, Eric's making a lot. I think when you're making taller stuff like that, it makes sense to have a throwing like a, a short it, wheel. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't make anything that large generally. Mostly for time as well as. For me, it's always been hard to justify making something that big when I can make X number of things that equal that price. But also, I'm not comfortable pricing higher things of like throwing $300 on something and being like, that's what it is. Like, financial never made sense to me to do that versus like just make a few more mugs or oil bottles that equal that price that I would sell at retail. Uh So... But I would suspect like a huge canvas for Melissa to use is just like opens the doors for what is possible. Yeah, they're definitely attention getters, man, but they're they're hard to move when they they have a lot of square inches to cover, you know, it's a lot of time. Yeah, that vase that we had at Michiana Pottery Tour that had been here since last year, that was sweet. That was too much work priced way too high. It didn't move. Didn't have a market for it. Yeah, we did cookie jars, and I did partly stripes on them, but, like, I combined the stripes with the woodlands that take a lot more work, and we put a hefty price on those, and we had no trouble selling those. Yeah, you never, you just never know. Yeah. What's a price difference on, like, an exact same form that's, like, the stripe work or the black, just straight black lines versus the woodland work? That's well, like, highly decorative and highly colored. So, I'll use tumblers as an example. So we do like a little wine tumbler. And if they're decorated with woodlands, I charge 95 for those. And if they're decorated with stripes, I do 65. And then are there simple ones that have sprayed glazes also in that same form? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and the, well, we haven't done them in a while, but yeah, sprayed or dipped. And those usually go for the, somewhere in the 20s. Oh, the oh those yeah. the the littler ones go for 20 yeah but the taller tumblers that we had we were doing for 45 with the five sprayed glazes yeah yeah mm-hmm. so 45 65 95 kind of mm-hmm. okay did you and you just started doing the sprayed glazes in the last little bit uh well when we, we got the studio set up uh we bought a spray booth so it's you know within the last year we've been did that open you all up for just a, a different customer base with the price point or just the, the aesthetics are just different than, you know, it's more, you know, rest for the eyes versus highly decorative, highly detailed stuff? A little of both. You know, there's people that just are, are hitting that lower price point and we just want to have something to offer. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's neat. I think it's cool. And there's some other stuff I want to do with it. So it's just another tool that we're just working on. Yeah, it's beautiful. 
you know, after that workshop with uh, with John, there's some glazes that, that we're going to be dipping that I want to run through and do a little bit more testing, but you'll probably see a lot more of that coming up for the rest of the year. Yeah. Does he do a lot with spraying versus dipping versus brushing? And I don't, he doesn't talk about anything but dipping during, during his uh, workshop. Yeah. There's so many facets of glazing that it's like, you know, you only can cover so much, but yeah. I feel like he only dips. I just feel like it's the most efficient way to do it. But I mean, if you got a process down, I feel like spraying could also be where it's at. It's, it's slower, though. I mean, dipping is by far the, the fastest. Well, the thing with spraying is that you the can, cool effects happen when you layer multiple glazes. Yeah, thin layers of, of multiple glazes. So you get some neat stuff. Yeah, so that's the thing that takes time. Or even even dipping in a, in, in a glaze and then spraying a modifier over just a portion of it after is, is nice to have that ability. Yeah. So have you all had to adjust pricing very much now that, you know, maybe you can produce higher throughput, but, you know, how did the how did the demand shift or did it shift as you could produce more work? I would say the last half of this year has been slower than the last half of last year. I'm not sure if everybody's feeling that, but uh, we're. We're selling more pieces, but a year ago with our smaller updates, we would sell out, you know, if if not in that first night by by morning, there'd be nothing left on the website. You know, all the good stuff would be gone in 15 minutes and then the stragglers would go overnight. We've had a lot of changes, though, like yeah. the changes in our views on um, on our socials have changed. Like Instagram used to be our primary, you know, and then um, Facebook was just kind of a secondary backup. And now that we've seen a huge shift in that this year where Facebook, which is more of our, our local followers, I would say, um, it's just growing really fast. And then Instagram has, has slowed down quite a bit for us this year. So I, I would say that that's probably due to all the changes that we've had in this past year. I went from posting a lot of close-up pictures of just my work. I mean, you can see it in our feed too. Our squares change from our work to pictures of people talking about workshops. Like Instagram doesn't care about our workshops at all. <laughs> or about <laughs> classes like they could care less um our customer base there and so we we have seen that shift for sure mm -hmm. and y'all are still doing quite a bit of variation of single photos carousel photos some reels you yeah i'm, I'm not great with reels i like the carousel that's my go-to yeah and and that would make sense and from my understanding of where those social media platforms put focus like reels are going to get more focus on instagram pictures yeah. and those are going to get more focus on facebook yeah so you're not you're not catering the the information the posts based on the platform and you're not posting too different I hadn't been. I would say within the past few months, I stopped posting so much about classes and workshops on um, on my my page on Instagram, and I'll post them to my stories rather with links to mm -hmm. workshops because I feel like people would interact with people interact with those more. Um, on Facebook is where I really push classes and and workshops and that kind of thing. Okay. 
Nice. Yeah, there's so many different ways that you can go about it. So it's it's hard to just copy and paste and say, okay, I'm going to do exactly what this person's doing. And, <laughs> you know, the tone and like what you're talking about, like I post a ton of stories, but like some people would think that I get a ton of views on them. I get maybe 500 views on a good day. Right. And I post a lot of stories and I get like seven to 800 views on my stories. Like, yeah. well, it depends. It depends. Like I haven't been very active, but like, when I'm more active, I will get like twice the amount he does on his stories, but he has like three times the amount of followers. It's really nuts. Some days we'll do as well as like between two and 300 views on our stories. One day I posted a picture of my dishwasher with all the butts of our own pots and it got like 1200 views. <laughs> and that was your story. Yeah, your just story. my story. See, I don't like what's going on. There's got to be an algorithm of like how they look at the analytics of how because it's just whether you watch it or not. Maybe it's like watch time and then maybe they're going to funnel you up closer to the front of people's story feed or like number of people that like exit out of it or like click Uh, forward. I mean, I watch stories quickly. I just tap forward through a lot of them just to get the gist. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know. That and that was just a photo probably if it was the mug yeah. in the Yeah, just a photo. So yeah. weird. Well, also like the way that I the way that I interact with Instagram has changed so much too. So when Eric worked at the mill, I was getting up with him, you know, he would wake <laughs> up at I was up at five o'clock and I was starting to write my posts at five o'clock. So by six o'clock they were posted. And so I was getting like the whole crew that was getting ready for work or before school, you know what I mean? And, and so I would get views then and then throughout that mid morning and now our, everything is so different. I don't post until mid afternoon, which is a horrible time to post. And, um, I don't know. Our content is is a lot different. We've just had a lot of shifts, so I feel like we'll get it figured out. But it's not Instagram. Yeah, I've I've found lately it's been the bottom of my list. So I post like every three or four days now because I'm like, uh, I don't have the energy to like I have the content, but I don't the time and effort it takes to produce the content and put it together nicely. Like that that is a that is a full time job for people. It is. It really is. And how people that schedule their posts, that's amazing. I'm not that person. Yeah, I guess they batch it and, you know, picking a day to focus like two hours just to do it. Like, I consume so much on there that I'm like, I need to not consume as much and produce. And then that would help. But yeah, not enough time in the day. If only we didn't have to sleep. I know, man. That's what I've been saying. totally unfair do something about this we need to like play you know if you could plug yourself in get a little recharge like a battery pack that's like power charge supercharge i mean let's let's just start working on like a 32 hour daily cycle so we'll stay awake for 20 hours take a few hours off get a nap stay awake for 20 more hours (laughs) i don't operate like that (laughs) (laughs) I need a lot more rest than he does. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, it's insane. Okay. So, holidays coming up. Um, Do y'all have any new forms or anything specific you're doing? Or are y'all just cranking away? So, we do 
Some ideas where we usually do a ton of holiday trees. Um, those are big sales for us in the uh, in these coming months. Last year, I think that we did about 400 trees. This year, we're shooting for 600. We're changing up the clay body, changing up glazes a little bit. Um, okay, I see. <clears throat> so it's like yeah. it's a triangle, and then you all carve it, and you put the holes in it. So it's yeah. kind of like luminary. Yeah. Yeah. And then um, we're going to try to marry our two styles that we have going on. So we'll see what that looks like. I'm oh, excited for that. So instead of it being a luminary, you're going to draw on it? Uh, no, just like our production line. Instead of having like the six. lean a little bit into the, to the decals a little more too. Yeah. Oh. And... Um, Maybe some raised slip work on my end under his pretty glazes. Okay. But we'll see. Hey, Ryan liked our post. <laughs> I did. I was looking at the trees right now. I've been liking a bunch of the posts in here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any last things, Becca? Mm -hmm. What do you got? What did I miss? Nothing. <laughs> I was just thinking while I was listening that Ryan would be like a really good Joe Rogan of pottery because he's a really good interviewer. Yeah, you are. Thank it's you. been fun. I was nervous, but Oh, we're in the market for, for some celebrity judges for an event this summer. Oh yeah. So maybe you guys come yeah. up. So we're planning a summer camp for potters in twenty twenty four. Oh, it sounds competitive. I like it. <laughs> so we wanna we wanna do a lot of things. First and foremost, we want everyone to have their own aprons and earn badges through the week, like Ooh. like camp badges. And we <clears throat> wanna have um like great pottery throwdown kind of style. So Ooh, that sounds fun. You know, I'm trying to talk John Britt, uh, Britt into to coming back to be a judge. He told me that he would like a large hammer. <laughs> I asked him oh my if that gosh. was the smash pieces that he just I'll take a, of, or if he meant a gavel. He he'll take a, a hammer. Gavel, I'll like take a baseball bat. I would like to do the baseball bat. <laughs> I'll just throw him on the ground. In the pit of despair. Yes. <laughs> so. That sounds fun. Yeah. yeah, I was like the throwing competitions. Like I did, I think Mudwork, Kentucky Mudworks had one when they like did a grand opening or something. It was like blindfolded and you throw as high as you can, like a five pounds of clay, and you judge the tallest one or whatever. Um, and those are the kind of events we need. Yeah. Or like yeah. one pound of clay and you got to throw as tall of a cylinder as possible. Me yeah. and Eric didn't even get to. Do, we didn't even throw against each other. We didn't do a lot of things. We didn't get to dance with the glow sticks. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't get to throw. I feel yeah, like threw we threw a lot, though. We threw quite a bit. We threw a lot. But I would have liked to, to see who would have won in, like, a two-pound or a one-pound cup. Okay. Oh, I don't know if you'd like it. <laughs> Some shit talk. <laughs> Okay, like Mr. Oh, yeah, I'm throwing one vase for every two of Becca's. It was more like four for every five, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> be good fun. Yeah. yeah. 
I feel like I picture you come like coming to visit, and Eric's just sitting at the wheel, just making, and you're just like, "Oh, hey, there's Eric over there. He's working. You know, he's making stuff. Hey, how's it going? Happy place, man. It is definitely my happy place. <laughs> <laughs> Someday I'll probably. I think the plan will eventually be to buy land up there. Um, we. I wanted to buy land in Otis on Otis Road. There's an Otis Road too. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of perfect, right? I know. My mom is like, is this a sign or something? And I was like, obviously. (laughs) All right, do it. But, well, my dad said that it's not the right time. Yeah. Save up those pennies. Yeah, he said said to wait for the recession that's coming. And nickels and dimes. I was like, great. Will do. So excited. (laughs) excited to own property again? No, to be in a recession. Oh, okay. <laughs> I'm not yeah. excited for no, that. No, that's not great. <laughs> Nobody's that's excited for that. It, it's hard because it's like, oh, make hay while the sun's shining kind of thing. It's like, make as much as you can so that we can get through the holidays. Because we don't know what's coming. But, yeah. you know, also don't know what the holidays are going to be like. So it's like, you know, are people going to spend as much or not? Or I think to just to be as consistent as possible, and that's the best way you can do it, honestly. Yeah. yeah. Yep. All right. Well, we appreciate your all's time. Thanks yeah. so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having us on. And uh, people can find you, Instagram, Facebook, all that stuff. You want to spell it out because just so they know how to spell feel. Beal Pottery. B as in boy. <laughs> E-A-L-E. I thought you were going to do like E as in Edgar. I that's what was going on too. A as in antelope. L as in loser. <laughs> e as in entrepreneur. <laughs> Pottery. Pottery. All right, Melissa, Eric, thank you all so much. Thank you. Yeah, and you we'll, uh, we'll talk, talk to you all to later. You. Yep. All right, bye, guys. Bye. Bye, bye, everybody. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening to another episode of Wheel Talk. This podcast is made possible through the contributions of all of our listeners who always ask us great questions, leave us reviews, and contact with us through social media. Thanks to all the fellow makers as well who take time to be interviewed and share about their lives and businesses. And thank you to Ashley from Boldover Ceramics and Lindy from Lindy Garner Ceramics for their assistance on the Wheel Talk podcast Instagram. You are invaluable. Thank you to everybody. <laughs>